0: The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Mark. Glory to you, Lord. Jesus took Peter, James, and John and led them up a high mountain apart by themselves. And he was transfigured before them. And his clothes became dazzling white, such as no fuller on earth could bleach them. Then Elijah appeared to them, along with Moses, and they were conversing with Jesus. Then Peter said to Jesus in reply, Rabbi, it is good that we are here. Let us make three tents, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. He hardly knew what to say, they were so terrified. Then a cloud came, casting a shadow over them. From the cloud came a voice. This is my beloved son, listen to him. Suddenly, looking around, they no longer saw anyone but Jesus alone with them. As they were coming down from the mountain, he charged them not to relate what they had seen to anyone except when the Son of Man had risen from the dead. So they kept the matter to themselves, questioning what rising from the dead meant. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise <laughs> We have a problem. Can I share that with you? Okay, good. Boy, you just came right into it. That's good. Well, the problem is you and me. We are the problem. And every time I read scripture, I think, we don't get it. We still don't get it. After all these thousands of years of God's revelation and covenants with us, we still don't get it. So if we look at the world today, and you know what's going on as well as I do, all the wars, the poverty, the hunger, and this is 2024. And should there be all this pain and suffering and sorrow? Well, it's not a question of should or shouldn't. It's because human beings allow it to happen. And in a very real sense, we allow it to happen. Because if we don't live our Christian faith fully, it allows evil to get into the world and other people to be pulled into that evil and to do what is so destructive. So we are the problem. And that's a good thing to acknowledge because if we know we're the problem, we also know the solution that's been given to us since the beginning of time. And, of course, the solution is God. But we have uh, the first story of Abraham and the story of the transfiguration, which really highlight the problem very nicely. Now, we call Abraham our father in faith because God came to Abraham and entered into a covenant. So we're talking maybe 2000 BC, proximate time frame for Abraham. And here's Abraham pretty well-to-do nomadic herder and God comes to him and says I'm entering into a relationship with you and I will give you a son and he did that was Isaac and then what does God do he says okay I want you to sacrifice your son Isaac now imagine what Abraham was thinking he waited for a hundred years or more to actually have a son he got a son And now God wants to take that son away from him. And what did Abraham do? He said, okay. He surrendered to God. He was very faithful to that covenant. You know, if we think we were in the same kind of situation, how would we react? But Abraham was obedient in the best sense of the word. He knew he had entered into this agreement with God. And so we call him righteous. Because he did what God wanted him to do. Now, of course, the good news is that Isaac was not sacrificed. God came in there at the last moment and said, Nope, you have proven to me that you are going to uphold your end of the covenant. So Isaac was returned to him. And God said, amazingly, through you, you will have descendants more numerous than the stars or more numerous than the sands on the beach. And he also said, through your descendants, all nations will come to be blessed. So Abraham is still today an example of someone who was perfectly obedient. Now, how do we get then from Abraham to where we are today? Have we not learned that lesson that if we are obedient, as difficult as it might be, that things would be different? And if we look at their gospel story today we have the story of the transfiguration now imagine you were asked by jesus to go up on that mountain and while you were there along with peter james and john moses appeared and elijah appeared and a cloud came and a voice said this is my beloved son Uh, Moses, of course, represents the law. Elijah represents the prophets. So here, in a sense, we have the Old Testament gathering, and these three men and us, we see this happening. Now, would we forget that once we came down the mountain? Would we forget what we saw? Would we kind of psychoanalyze it and say, well, you know, it was an illusion or whatever? We probably do that today. But it was a real thing that grabbed the attention of Peter, James, and John. But despite that, Peter still denied Jesus. Peter still denied Jesus when push came to shove. So we go from Abraham, who's totally obedient, to Peter, who is back and forth, waffling, running away, not truly obedient. Now... Of course, God reconciled with him, and Peter became the first of the apostles, the first pope. But nonetheless, even though Peter and James and John had this wonderful uh, vision of what Jesus was truly about and who he was, he still backslided. You see, there's the problem we backslide. Now we have the fullness of faith. Because we have been told that Jesus Christ is Lord and Savior. Um, And God did not spare His Son. His Son did die. He was sacrificed. He was the Lamb of God who was sacrificed for us. We have that to look at. And the question is do we believe? Do we believe so that we can give our lives over to the Lord more and more? To literally surrender everything to God. Not hold on to anything. Not hold on to anything. But to keep serving. To recognize that we don't need to worry about what's going to happen to us. God has promised us that if we're faithful, we will be with him in heaven. All we have to do is follow faithfully in the footsteps of Jesus. So we have the perfect road map, the perfect template as to how to be faithful citizens of heaven but again we keep backsliding and that's the problem we we know the truth but do we obey that truth do we follow that truth no matter what happens are we ready at any time to surrender all to the lord in order to serve him properly And then we have Paul, our middle reading today. And what does Paul say? Now, I think Paul is a very great example of someone like Abraham. Now, you know, Paul, of course, persecuted the church and then he underwent a conversion. And then from there on in, he did everything and anything and said, I don't care what happens to me because of Jesus Christ, it's all worth it. And what did he say in the gospel today? If God is for us, who can be against us? What's the answer to that? No one. No one can be against us. No one has power that surpasses God's power. But again, do we believe that? So that we're not worried about losing possessions or um, having to do things that we may not feel comfortable doing or do we just retreat right back to the middle? You know, when we go out those, those doors, we blend in perfectly into our secular society. Because it's easier that way. It's easier. And yet the gospel says, no, you've got to give everything over. You can't rest until you've given everything over, like Paul. So Paul was left for dead. He was persecuted. He was eventually um, killed, martyred. And yet, he said, it's all wonderful. He said, rejoice always. In all circumstances, give thanks. And this is coming from an apostle. Someone who lived it. And says, you can do it too. Why? Because if God is for us, who can be against us? So, there's the problem. We are the problem, as always. And the challenge. Now, the good news is that Jesus is taking care of all the heavy stuff. He's done it all. He has prepared the way for us. He has given us everything we could possibly need or want and more in order to be righteous like Abraham, willing to give everything over to the salvation of the world. So we can't come up with excuses. We can't say, well, I can't do that, or I'm not sure this is what I, I can do. We're in a community where we're supposed to be discerning what exactly we're supposed to do and then go out and do it. And of course we know what we're supposed to do. It's all in the Bible. We don't need to ask, what's my vocation? We know what our vocation is to go forth, proclaim the gospel and baptize in the name of the Trinity and bring people into the church. That's our job. We're supposed to go out there two by two like the apostles and the, the uh, uh, disciples the disciples. And to do what Jesus did, and I'm sure, right, right there too, we have the story of them going out, and they are uh, exercising people, they are curing people, and they came back and were thrilled. They told Jesus how wonderful that was, but again, they backslided. But God, fortunately, is always coming back to us, always with us, so that when we backslide, we can just turn around and say, Lord, I'm sorry. Uh, I wish to be uh, your child. And so, if God is for us, who can be against us? We need to keep remembering that. And as a community, which is extraordinarily important, not as individuals, but as a community, we need to work together to challenge one another, to correct one another, to celebrate with one another when we do the will of God. And again, we know what the will of the Father is. Jesus did it, he passed it on to us, so we have work to do. So if we look at the world, and rightly, we become upset and we mourn for the way of the world, blessed are those who mourn, we have to ask, well, what am I doing to alleviate? Well, maybe just not alleviate, but to change things as Jesus wants wants us to change them. Now, we're not going to get together and go to some foreign country and do X, Y, and Z. But as one person said, all we have to do is try and change one heart every day. One heart every day. We can do that. We can do that. It's going to mean we have to stop thinking about what about me, what do I have to do, what my... Uh, Routine is and be aware of what's going on around us, encountering people, engaging them, speaking a word that may uplift them. We never know what people are suffering or going through, and we have the power of Jesus Christ in our lives. We have the authority of Jesus Christ in our lives to go forth and proclaim the gospel and to live it. So, as you go forth this weekend, just take that one phrase from Paul. If God is for us, who can be against us? That says it all, really. And that takes away every excuse we could possibly come, come up with. So, again, take that home, think about it. If God is for us, who can be against us? And the answer is, no one.